Hi friends, welcome back to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. The project is, I'm sure you'll know, is to work together through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, over however long that takes. Now, if you're joining for the first time, worth telling you a couple of things. Firstly, there's always a transcript available of each and every one of these podcasts, and it's accessible through the episode notes section of the podcast as long as you're receiving it in the audio version. Now the audio version is hosted by buzzsprout.com but you could be downloading it from and accessing it from any podcast platform whether that be Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Google Podcasts or even Amazon. Wherever you're getting it from in audio uh, format if you go in there there's an episode notes page with various links to all the ministries uh, and way of accessing the teaching I do as well as a transcript page. Now if you happen to be watching this podcast on Facebook by in video form or on YouTube then within that page as well as a link to all the connections there's a link to the main Buzzsprout website hoster where you'll find the episode notes there. Now with every episode there is an episode notes page and within it you'll find links there to connect to all the various platforms where I put my teaching, Facebook, YouTube, there's even a link to my Bandcamp and SoundCloud page where I place the music and the sound design stuff that I do there for this uh, part the background music for the podcast and also some other sound design work I do in other areas. Now, the other thing worth pointing out if you're new is that you are free to reuse or reconstitute this teaching in whatever way you want. Now, credit's always appreciated, but it's yours to take and use, to use the notes or the text or just what I've said to create your own messages, your own sermon notes, your own your own podcasts, anything that you want to do. Please take this teaching and run with it. We want to make it as widely available for you to use it in any way you want. Now, within those notes pages and the links, you'll also find a link to my Patreon website where I do host extra and exclusive content that's made available to my patrons. And I'll come back at the end and tell you about how you can support me that way. Now, another thing just worth mentioning is this is the sort of the end of the first week in the new slightly extended length format. I wonder how you're getting on with that. Now, if you prefer the shorter format, then what we you will notice is within each of these new podcasts, there are chapter breaks. There's an introduction, a chapter break, and there's a chapter break before the sort of the wrap up at the end. And sometimes if it fits well, I put a chapter break between uh, in, the, in the middle of the teaching, but only occasionally. Now I do that because it enables, it means that any adverts that break in to the podcast, which is starting to happen now, that I'm able to control where they appear. They just, just suddenly jump in in the middle of the teaching and disturb the train of thought. But that also means if you have the ability now, if you'd rather just go straight to the middle section, the teaching, and just listen to that, then you're able to do that. But anyway, that's it for today by way of introduction. So I'd just like to say to you all, thank you so much for joining me. I do hope you're really benefiting from having the amazing Word of God as part of the rhythm of your daily life and that you're able to make the Bible Project part of that daily rhythm as we work together through the Word of God over the coming months and years.
But anyway, that's it for now. I'll see you at the end, but let's jump in and continue where we left off in the main study itself. Thanks for joining me. Okay, we're continuing through the book of Genesis, as you know, and we're arrived now at the beginning of chapter 29. And we're going to look at this chapter, probably going to, I would think, it's going to take just two studies. We're going to be covering Genesis chapter 29, from verses 1 to 29, and given the overall title of these two studies, What Goes Around Comes Around. Now, that's a familiar saying, isn't it? I'm sure you've heard it before. People say, what goes around comes around. Usually, when you hear people use it or quote it, they do so in a negative way, saying or implying something along the lines is that all the pain that someone's caused them will come back and hit them in the same way someday. But I wonder if you've ever heard that expression. Now, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have. But my question is, is that statement true? Is it true that what goes around comes around? Is there a payback time? That's the question we're going to ask this morning. Is it true in any case? Is it true in every case? Is it true some of the time? Or is it true all of the time? So what does the Bible say about the concept of what goes around comes around? Now, today we arrive in this story in the book of Genesis that I think answers that question to some degree. It's one of the most interesting stories in all of the book of Genesis, so join with me as we work together through Genesis chapter 29. Now again, this is a long passage of scripture, so rather than read it all at once, I'm going to do what I often do, which is go through it verse by verse over the next two episodes. So let's begin by reading the opening verses together. Genesis chapter 29, starting at verse 1. It says this, Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to the place over the mouth of the well. So we'll just pause there for a moment. And I'd like to suggest that in order to understand this chapter, we really need to understand what has just happened in the previous chapter. Now that's okay if you've been with us on the journey and you've been there before. Verse 1, you see, is telling us that he continues on this journey to the land of the eastern people. So where is he going? Where has he come from? And why is he going where he's going to? Well, those answers to that question are found in the close of the previous chapter. Now, you might remember, especially if you've been following along, what happened in chapter 28. But let me just very quickly summarize for you by reminding you it all began. Jacob, with the help of his mother, Rebecca, deceived his brother Esau. In those days, the oldest brother usually got the blessing from the father and the inheritance. But on this occasion, Jacob goes in and tricks his father and he gets that blessing and that inheritance by deception. An inheritance, a blessing that his father had planned to give to his brother Esau. Now Esau finds out about this and he's very angry and he threatens to kill Jacob. And Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, then she says to him, the best option is for you, Jacob, to get out of town. 
And that takes us to where we are now, chapter 29, verse 1. So Jacob is on this journey of escape. He's getting out of town and he's trying to get out quickly before his brother finds him and kills him. And he's on a journey and he's heading towards the land that tells us of the people of the east. Now at this point we've just been very given a very general statement about him heading east towards these people. Later in the passage, these people of the east will actually be identified as Nahor, the people of Nahor. And you might remember that Abraham's family was from there. A while back when Abraham wanted a wife for his son, Jacob's father, Isaac, he sent his servant to Nahor to get that, to make that happen. So the fact that he's headed east uh, here and headed to Nahor is very significant, I would suggest, in the overall context of the book of Genesis. So he's somewhere near Nahor, it's telling us, and the Bible then shows us here in verse 2 that he sees a well in a field. And he saw that there were flocks of sheep there around the well and that they were, they were coming there and gathering there to be watered, no doubt. Then it says something very interesting. It says in verse 3 that there is a stone over the well's mouth. Now this seems to me a little bit out of place in this narrative, but the author makes a particular point of noting the stone covering the well. He's flagging something up for us that will come back again later. It doesn't have a great significance at this point, but it's going to play its part later. And we're told in these three verses that when the flocks gather together in that area, then the shepherds would come and roll away the stone from the mouth of the well. And when they finished watering the sheep, they would roll the stone back again. So that's where we're up to, and that's the setting of the story so far. So Jacob stops at this well. Well, the narrative continues in verse 4, and it says, Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We are from Haran, they replied. He said to them, Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we know him, they answered. Then Jacob asked, Is he well? Yes, he is, they said. And here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. So Jacob is clearly anticipating meeting his father's family, which is why he asked them, Do you know or know of Laban? And these shepherds say, Yes, we know him. And they say, By the way, look, here comes Rachel, that's Laban's daughter. She actually looks after his sheep. The text continues and he says this, Look, he said, the sun is high. It is not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them to pasture. We can't, they replied, until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth. Then we will water the sheep. Now, I take it to be that the fact that it says all the flocks had to be gathered, that that probably means the stone was too heavy to move by one individual. They probably had reached some kind of agreement that they would only move the stone out of the way when all the flocks were gathered there. That I believe, and other commentators suggest, that's what's going on here. Anyway, the story continues in verse 9. While he was talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rebekah and began to weep aloud. Do you see here that three times he mentions the family relationship? This is his uncle and he's making a big issue out of that. 
but he has now, in a sense, almost stumbled upon the family it suggests he was looking for. In this case, he comes upon them by finding them at the well. Now, the text points out the fact that all of this area belongs to his uncle. But then it says Jacob kissed Rachel and raised up his voice and wept. What do you make of that, by the way? The Bible only very rarely says anything about a man kissing a woman. So this is a highly unusual statement, isn't it? He's just met her. So was this a romantic kiss? Or was this more like a kiss on the cheeks? A greeting, a greeting a bit more akin to something like a handshake. Now, personally, I'm slightly sceptical of love at first sight, but I'm certainly not sceptical of attraction at first sight. You've got, I believe, to really get to know a person before you can truly say that you love them. But many people testify to the fact that they said that when they met their their marriage partner, that there was an an immediate natural chemistry between them uh, and their future wife or husband the minute they met. And of course, they did indeed get married. And that's indeed what I personally experienced. So perhaps something like this is happening here. Anyway, the text clearly says that he kissed her. The narrative continues in verse 12. He had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, You are my own flesh and blood. And Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month. So Rachel gets excited and leaves the sheep and runs and tells her father that her nephew has shown up. Laban is the uncle and Jacob is the the nephew, obviously. The passage is very clear about laying out the family relationships that are in this passage. It also draws attention to the fact that they haven't heard about each other and new details about each other's families and what they've been up to for quite a long time. So we see Jacob fills him in and then they sort of catch up in family history, if you like. And Laban invites Jacob to stay with him. And then he says this, Laban said to him, just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. In other words, he's saying, I'd like you to continue staying with me for a month or so, and I'd like to pay you while you're here. It's not right that you should contribute to my family and I not pay you anything. So he asks him to tell him what he thinks his wages should be. Let's negotiate for you month by month how much I should pay you. So now we're entering into the negotiation phase of the story, but they're not just going to negotiate his wages. Picking up the text in 29.16, it says, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Now, let me explain something to you at this time, folks. Laban had two daughters. Leah is the oldest, and she is the one who's said to have poor eyesight, which would have been a considerable disability in those times before glasses. Now, some commentators I've read literally tried them, tie themselves a knot, trying to explain exactly what this extra piece of information means. Some think this statement refers to just how the fact that she's unattractive and meaning that she doesn't have a sparkle in her eyes. There was not a lot of expression in her face. Now, I'm not sure about that, but 
however you explain it, the real point in these latter part of the verses is it's it's giving a description of Leah and it's contrasting it with that of Rachel. And of Rachel, the text says she was beautiful in form and appearance. The words that are used tell us that she has a beautiful face and an attractive physique. And then it goes on to tell us in verse 18, Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than any other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So it tells us that Jacob did indeed love Rachel. Now he just met her at this point, and this may have been a day or two later, but this attraction was obviously intense and immediate. But do you catch the fact of what's going on here? Remember, who was the oldest? Leah. And remember, the elder daughter would normally be married first. But Jacob here wants the younger one, and he says he'll work seven years if he gives her to him as his wife. Now, by the standards of that day, he's putting a very high price on her. Seven years' work is was a much higher price than would normally be paid for a wife. But it's it says he's in love with her, and he's clearly willing to do that. And Laban, not surprisingly, says, okay, adding the caveat, that's better anyway than I give her to some man as a wife, a man who's a stranger. Now, I would have thought seven years felt like an eternity to a relatively young man. But it says here, he'll, give, he'll do the seven years and he'll give him his wife. And it seems to be okay with that. And then picking up the narrative in verse 22, it says, So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpha to his daughter as her attendant. Hmm, this is interesting, isn't it? So they throw a party, a wedding party. All the locals, people gather, all the men come. And do you notice what goes on here? It says Laban takes his daughter and brings her to Jacob. And that means by that Jacob would have been in the tent and he brings her into the tent. Remember, who is Jacob in love with? That's right, Rachel, who was the wedding feast celebrating. Again, Rachel and Jacob. But who does he end up getting brought to his tent? Leah. Now let's keep reading. This really is an interesting part of the story. And it tells us, And Laban gave his servant Zilpha to be the daughter as her attendant. And when morning came, there was Leah. So there's an element of surprise in that concluding phrase of that verse 24. So how do you explain that? How do you explain what's going on here that he wakes up with Lear? And this is where it gets to be a bit of fun because when you read the commentaries they go through all sorts of loops to try and explain what's going on here. Well to do that justice I think we'll look at that in the next episode. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Thank you so, so much for joining me. I'd like to remind you that you have access to lots more of my teaching, including some long-form versions of my Bible teaching, 
along with some discipleship courses that I'm making available. You can find that teaching and Bible studying material through my Patreon website, including the usual stuff there. And at the moment, I'm actually preparing a 12 to 15 week, 15 episode course on how to prepare and do expository preaching. One of the things I do is I do chalks in secular environments where I try to find intersection points between the Christian faith and areas of interest that people might have. I try and meet people at their point of need and try and find a point where the Bible or Christian thought intersects. And areas in which I've done those sorts of talk involve art, science, psychology, and even mental health. And those talks will all be available to my patrons on the Patreon website. So if you sign up there to become a patron of mine for as little as £2 a month, you can be safe in the knowledge that you're supporting my main ministry, which is this The Bible Project podcast, and you're enabling it to stay free for anyone who wants it. The plan and purpose of this podcast is for it to remain there as a resource indefinitely and eventually one day to give people the opportunity of working completely through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And by supporting me, you're enabling that to take place. That enables people to experience and commit to allowing the life-changing power of the Word of God into their lives. Another thing you can do to really help uh, get the podcast out there and in front of more people is if you're if you're enjoying it and benefiting from it, then why not put a like on it or share it across any social network platforms that you're on or unsubscribe to receive it regularly, maybe even review it. By doing so, you're allowing the podcast to appear in the digital places that you inhabit and that really helps it get seen by more people. Anyway, that's it for this time. I hope to see you right back here again very soon. For me, it'll be tomorrow. For you, maybe tomorrow or another day. But whatever happens, I really want to say how much I really appreciate what you do and how much I am thankful for your encouragement in this work. But I do hope I'll see you again. And we'll meet back here, right back here again on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye for now.